This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Mayor Mike Johnston declared victory in his effort to house a thousand people in 2023. But can he do it again this year? Plus, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert is back in the news again, and again, it's not for good reasons. Finally, the U.S. Supreme Court will decide if former President Trump is allowed in the Colorado primaries. So we're talking about what comes next. Today is Tuesday, January 9th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Howdy, Bree. Well, <laughs> speaking of howdies, we are here at the Tacova store in Cherry Creek North. Happy Western Week. Western Week continues. What a beautiful store I this know, is. I know. I was just going to say, can I just say from a retail expert standpoint, this is a gorgeous store. Give me your breakdown. Well, they have seating, first of all, which we're in right mm-hmm. now, which is something you don't find in a lot of stores anymore. Yeah. Normally you get like one husband chair. Yes. And then he sits there looking uncomfortable until it's time for him to go. Yeah. This is more sit down. Enjoy yourself. Try on some boots. Smell the leather. Oh, it smells so good in here. I was it just does. checking out a new bag. I'm about to, Mon- Montgomery's almost potty trained. I can get a real purse again <laughs> to carry around a whole diaper bag. <laughs> Never thought about that. That's funny. It's, so they have some good options in here. It's Are a any beautiful of these boots store. speaking to you? Not yet, but I have like the feet of an 80 year old man. So. I don't. I can't wear anything with heels. I can't wear anything mm. with a pointy toe. Mm-hmm. I'd have to really do some investigating, but I have a feeling I could find something in here. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. these green ones. <gasps> Those are nice. Those leapt out to me. They are. There's like, got like squares and holes in them to different pull kind them of up. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so many options. Really, like subtle, a lot of flair. What are, actually I'm seeing these gray ones up here. I like. If they had some without a heel, I might do it. There's plenty more time to talk to talk it about really Tacovas all week. It really is. I could be in here all day, honestly. Um, but we should we should get to the news. Yeah. Uh, or, the, oh, actually, we have some business. We do. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the show. We have a sponsored interview with our friends at Tacovas, and um, this means no listener questions or comments today. But since it's our favorite segment, um, we're going to include that in a members only special episode that we made. Paul, do you want to give us a little preview of what that episode is about? (laughs) Yes, I do. I'm so glad we did this. We got a great comment from a listener, Celia S. Um, uh, Here's the tease. It's it's about, quote, cattle sperm auction, the cattle sperm auction (laughs) that happens at the stock show every year. So I did a little bit of reporting. I did a little research and we had a fun conversation about it. And you can get that if you subscribe and become a member now. Just go to membership.citycast.fm, get access to that ad-free feed with some of these bonus episodes, all the bonus episodes we've ever done. Yeah, and you can hear uh, Paul's research into the cattle sperm trade, which is totally legal, we learned, and not weird or underground at all. No, not weird, not even a, not even a tiny bit weird. Okay, well, let's get to the news, because yes, we've got some interesting updates on stories that we've brought you in the last couple of weeks. 
Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's at it again. Boy, is she. Representative Lauren Boebert is in the news again. What is up? So, so we last heard from uh, our congresswoman from the Western Slope when she decided to leave the Western Slope, and she's now running for Congressional District 4 in the Eastern Plains. Um, however, on, on Saturday night, according to every newspaper on the planet, as far as I can tell, Lauren Boebert um, allegedly punched her ex-husband, Jason Boebert, at Miner's Claim, a restaurant in Silt. Um, Bobert disputes the account, um, though there were many eyewitnesses who have confirmed it. She says, I didn't punch Jason in the face and no one was arrested. I will be consulting with my lawyer about the false claims he made against me and evaluate all my legal options. Uh-huh. So. I, not to undermine the domestic abuse part of this situation, but the set the setting for this is very... You don't know what era Colorado we're in. You're at Miner's Claim? Miner's Claim in Silt? In Silt? Yeah. I think this kind of thing has been happening in Silt for 100 years now. Yeah. And she's just the latest. It's a saloon. Things get wild. Uh, But (laughs) there was, this ended up on TMZ. Are we now getting all Bobert news that widespread since the Beetlejuice incident? (laughs) Well, I don't know if people want to read about it. She is a star. Um, but yeah, I like TMZ's reporting on this, actually. I thought they had a good breakdown of what happened because they were quoting eyewitnesses who said um, Lauren was sitting in the restaurant when Jason walked in. Let's say Jason sidled in mm. and uh, the pair got into an argument before the congresswoman punched him in the nose twice. <sighs> Lauren, not Jason, then called the police and Jason was ordered to leave. So these two had a divorce earlier last yeah. year, which I actually learned was because he cheated on her. <gasps> oh, I didn't no. know that. So I, I don't know. I'm I, a tiny <sighs> bit more sympathetic towards her. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean you should punch somebody. No, no, you know? no, no. I mean, this is this is a personal situation. It really is. Is it going to help her chances in District 4? I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but there's all this other stuff sort of on the line when we're talking about the change in her congressional district, what's going on with the GOP in general across Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think all of those things are going to weigh in much more than a sort of personal scuffle. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. It's not like something new about her either. It's like, this is this is the Lauren Boebert we know. Yeah. Unfortunately, it feels a little par for the course for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had another update on the GOP. Oh, yeah. This was fascinating. I mean, we've been talking about Dave Let's Go Brandon Williams, the state GOP chair, for months and months. He's, like, been increasingly chatty, I feel like, putting his name out there, getting getting, getting in the mix. Um, and now we may know why. Um, it's because over the weekend he announced he's running for the Congressional District 5 seat, which is uh, represents mostly Colorado Springs, but some of the surrounding areas, that for a long time was held by Doug Lamborn, um, though he last week said he's not running for re-election in the fall. And Doug Lamborn has been in office since like the early nineties. Yeah. Long time. So this is long time. This is someone that's been reelected over and over and over again. I would assume it's very popular. It will be very interesting to see how this goes. Can I just speculate that you you said that Dave, let's go Brandon Williams, has been a little chattier lately. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's elbowing in and seeing that there might be some space if Bobert does not make it through. Mm-hmm. There'll be space for a new sensational person in politics from Colorado. I mean, he's definitely a MAGA guy. I don't I yeah. don't know if he's made like a big splashy headlines or anything with any he's not like outrageous. Um he's definitely from that sector of the Republican party. Other than challenging to get his name changed yes. to let's go Brandon Williams on the ballot. <laughs> we the, might be the only one still talking about that. It's although true. I will never stop. It's it is bizarre. so funny to me. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. He's kind of, I think he's reshaping the GOP in his image. And um, he says he's going to continue serving as the state chair while he runs. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But the whole the whole GOP across the state, the fact that they had three seats like Boebert, Buck, and Lamborn, and all three are either not running or running somewhere else. Yeah, like, and Buck and Lamborn, too, established. Yeah, total pivot moment. Yeah, established Republicans. So we will be watching those races for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then we have one more update which is involves um, the Supreme Court making this decision in this Colorado case about whether or not Trump can appear on our primary ballots. Yeah, this is another one that's like huge national news. Um, and uh, the, the latest is on Friday, the Supreme Court announced that it will hear former President Trump's appeal of the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that would have barred him from appearing on the Republican primary ballot. Um, that primary is set for March 5th, Super Tuesday. Um, and because of the way the timeline worked, those ballots had already been certified. Um, but because Trump and the Colorado Republican Party both filed appeals, his name will appear on the ballot despite the the Supreme Court not ruling yet. So what the ruling from the Supreme Court is is going to do, at least from what I can glean from some of the press reporting, is going to determine whether or not votes for Trump will count or not. Because mm. his name will be on there when, when we all get our primary ballots. And anyone that wants to can fill out that bubble. And so is, is are those going to be vacated or not that, that the court will decide? How could that shake out? That could be bad, right? It's incredibly confusing to me. Like as a voter, I wouldn't know what I'm going to do. Like if, if I'm a big Trump person, would I would I fill out the bubble? Would I try? Right. Although I, I'm sure that the, the, the Supreme Court will rule with enough time before March 5th to give people plenty of notice to, to make they the vote. choice they want to make. Um but I don't know. I mean, who knows how people are going to vote this year? You know, democracy itself is on the ballot, as as uh, as we've been saying. Yeah. I just wonder if, how, depending on how it shakes out, if people will just fill in that bubble as a protest vote regardless. You know Could what be. I mean? Could be. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking to forward watch. to hearing the, um, the arguments in front of the Supreme Court. That's on February 8th. So I think we'll probably talk about it more around then. So we have a couple weeks to, to go. And, okay. Super Tuesday. Wow. Haven't heard that term in a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe since last year. Oh, no. no we're Colorado going into the... gets to do it now because we changed the way our primaries work. That's right. Yeah. Now I care about it. Okay. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more news. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. 
Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. All right, we're back. We're on to our big story, which is Mayor Mike Johnston's ongoing efforts to end unsheltered homelessness in Denver. Um, This has been his top priority since he entered office back in July of last year. Um, But we we have to talk about it because he hit a first major milestone at the end of the year. Um, He had set himself this ambitious goal of housing a thousand people by the end of 2023. Bree, you predicted that he would fail. I thought he would. Not for any reason other than I found this goal to be unrealistic in six months. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just felt like it. And I'm so happy to say that I was wrong. Yeah. He's declared victory, we should say. He says that he did it. Yes. He says that he he has. And um, looking at the housing dashboard as of January 5th is the last time the city updated it. um, 1,147 people have been sheltered. It says 1,124 of them are still indoors. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And this is a combination of permanently housed folks, people that have been sheltered over 30 days and uh, under 30 days. So it's kind of uh, I don't know how to take in all that information. But regardless, he made his goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he says he made his goal. I mean, whether or not. Yeah. The the, the, what is the goal? You know, what is housing? What is what is how permanent housing? What is transitional housing? Who's living in a micro community? Who's living in a hotel? How much is this actually helping solve the broader problem? These are all the big questions that still remain for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think there were uh, several reporters that look in looked into this a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. saying, what does this number mean? And I I think it's still kind of unclear. Yeah. I mean, what what he specifically claimed that he succeeded in doing is, quote, moving more than a thousand people off the streets. Mm -hmm. So it's not even really about housing people specifically. It's it's more vague than that from him now. That's the language he's using. And I thought it was interesting. Only 25 percent of that thousand and thirty four people who had been brought inside by December 30 first have been have found permanent housing so you know it's like 250 people that's what this whole big thing really has has led to and i mean it's a hard thing yeah when we talk about housing people what does that really mean it's if we can watch these people for 10 years that would really tell us right Mm -hmm. um and i think that uh he took on something big because he wanted to a make a splash and b because he knew that denverites were tired of how the previous administration was handling it and i think the numbers game here helps johnston at least have something to show Mm -hmm. because i don't think that hancock did a great job of showing what he did through through data yeah and i i was talking to you about this earlier um thinking about the interview we did with Hancock on his way out and he had said to me he had in under his administration they had built more housing units than any other administration mm-hmm. Denver mayoral administration and I thought why didn't he tell us that more often why didn't he yeah. remind us so I think that um this is partially a PR thing by the Johnston administration and that's part of politics you have to get out your message and this was a way he thought he could do it best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to tell a good story. And, and as Johnston himself said, speaking to this 
uncertainty that he knows is out there. Um, this is when he was declaring victory. He said, quote, uh, this was actually never about a number, Johnston said. I'm quoting from Denverite. Um, it was about the urgency that we knew people deserved to be able to say, we can't afford to wait because every night that someone's at risk of freezing to death on the city streets, that's not good enough for us. And we also know, as council member Chantal Lewis said, that the work is just beginning. Yeah, and she's had an interesting role in this as well, I think, because her district, uh, District 8, um, it, it includes nearly half of city-funded shelter beds are in her district alone, just one district. And she has been very vocal about being part of the process. She's worked with a lot of folks in the encampments to sort of, I think, be a messenger to the mayor. Um, but she's also saying, hey, fellow council people, what what else are you going to do? When are you going to step up? Yeah. You know what else it's going to depend on? What? The price tag. That's a hard one. Yes. I think that's a hard one to swallow. So uh, Denver Gazette says of the cost uh, that Johnston spent $45 million in 2023. That's six months. $45 million. Uh, they netted that out to $45,000 per unhoused person, which feels like a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Russell Wilson, the Broncos right, quarterback, who right. had a real flame, embarrassing flame out at the end of the season. That contractual dispute that he had with the team, that was over $37 million. I was just going to say, the money is relative, right? And like, if we had to, if we had to price out what we cost as human beings and our housing and our homes and all the things, it'd probably be $45,000 isn't really a lot of money, I think. If we think about how much we spend every year, to house ourselves? What's I don't know. The, what's the 45000 That's what That's what the Denver Gazette said they figured that Johnston spent per unhoused person this year oh, within this $45 okay. million dollar budget. Okay. So maybe that's like $45 million divided by how many people that's got what I was those guessing. housing outcomes? Yeah. Okay. Which, Interesting. It's, yeah. it's one of those things. You can do a lot with data. All right. So we know, uh, just to wrap up here, we got to look ahead. You know, we, he, he told us, Mayor Mike Johnston told us he wants to house another thousand people in 2024. Um, what are you watching for? You know, can he do it? You want Do you want to make another prediction? I mean, I would hope that he pushed himself a little more. If he says he did a thousand in six months, what about 2000? I don't know. I also wonder if he's going to learn a lesson from these numbers games and say, maybe this isn't the best approach for me. Mm. Maybe it's like how many hotels we acquired, how many parcels of land we acquired, how many existing housing units did we turn into affordable housing units? That's the kind of stuff that I'm going to be looking at. And I, I just I think to go back to what we were just talking about, will those numbers resonate in a year from now with Denverites? I don't know. I'm also going to be looking at where these go. Yeah. What districts these uh these housing options go into. Yeah. Because we know some are noticeably absent. That's true. That's true. And we've seen some of the, I mean, the biggest fights over the micro community sites, the proposals have all been in these neighborhoods where, you know, it's it's affluent people who, that live there, as, as you might expect. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. That's what I'm going to be watching. So I don't know, maybe he'll make some bigger, broader goals. I don't know. It's still early in the year, Paul. <laughs> so, um, but we have an interview booked with him mm -hmm. later this month and we need your help. What do you want to ask Mayor Johnston about? What are you hoping that he focuses on this year? You can send us your questions uh, for the mayor to our mayoral hotline at 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418. Let us know what you want us to ask Mayor Johnston. One thing before we go. Yeah. I dr On the way here, uh -huh. it's icy. A little bit, People yeah. were driving away. Yeah. I noticed no, 
No one had driven into Cherry Creek yet. So <laughs> good job, everybody. For folks that are newer to the city, please don't speed, especially on Spear. Every year, I feel like we see a car end up on the Cherry Creek Trail. It happens. Every time. It, for some reason, it keeps happening. Let's make 2024 the year that doesn't happen. <laughs> you hear that, people? Let's do it. That's our goal. That's our goal. No cars in the creek this year. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable goal. I hope so. We could do it. Well, thanks for joining me, Paul. See you next time, Brie. And now, please enjoy this sponsored interview with me, executive producer Paul Caroli, about Tacovas. Shelby Burroughs manages the Tacovas store in Cherry Creek, where you can find a fresh take on Western wear and even get your boots shined. Shelby, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Shelby, I'm ashamed to say it, but I, I can't actually picture where the Tacovas store is in Cherry Creek. Can you just help me like <laughs> situate where we're even talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So we're one street over from the Cherry Creek Mall. We're off of 2nd Avenue in Milwaukee. We're right next door to the Yeti store. Right in the middle of it. Yeah. It's such an interesting place. The fact that you all ended up there in Cherry Creek to me is like... I mean, it's this old neighborhood, you know, like one of Denver's oldest. People probably wore cowboy boots there just like to work. But now it's Cherry Creek. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think it's really cool. I love the fact that we are in a location that has such a cool history and these roots that tie into the Western culture so well, but also it's kind of evolved. So it has that trailblazing tie that kind of ties into the spirit of the West that we love so much at Tacovis. For people who aren't familiar with Tacovas and the boots that you all sell, what's the story? Well, our founder, Paul, was a Harvard grad from Texas originally, and he went on to work in the corporate world in finance and ultimately decided that his passion was more centered around his love for Western culture and boots, gray boots. So he felt like the world was missing a direct-to-consumer, authentic, handmade boot company, and he set out to make that happen. So he kind of did a lot of research, took that passion, and built this company. We were founded in 2015. And from then, we've been expanding really quickly. We just opened our 33rd location in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, huh? Okay. That's okay. Our listeners know there's a bit of a rivalry there, but I'm not going to get into it. We don't <laughs> have to talk about that right now. They're allowed to love great boots as well. Yes. What about you, though? I mean, you, you clearly share this passion. My passion for boots goes back quite a while. I grew up in boots. Um, my grandfather was one of the most <laughs> important and influential people in my life, and he meant the world to me. And he was a true cowboy. Like to me, he embodied the spirit of the West so well. And he was the hardest worker I knew. He was a rancher and a record holding big game hunter. And he would, you know, wake up at three or four in the morning every day to go break up ice on the water troughs at his ranch before he'd go off to his second and third jobs to provide for his family. And um, among his most prized possessions were his collections of fine cowboy boots and cowboy hats. We kind of had this tradition that every year on my birthday, he would buy me a pair of um, real moccasins and a pair of real ostrich leather cowboy boots. And I loved that. I took it for granted a little when I was younger, but... Um, yeah, pretty nice. Nice tradition. Yeah. So 
fast forward to a couple years ago, I was going through a major life transition and was really starting from scratch in every way. I was a newly single mom kind of facing how am I going to, what am I going to do that's going to feel purposeful for me and meaningful. And so when I found out about Tecovis through an old friend um, who I had worked with at a previous footwear company, I was really intrigued by the idea of getting back into boots and kind of reconnecting with my Western roots. And I loved that. So as I started looking into the company, I saw the ostrich boots online and that really felt exciting to me. It felt like a full circle moment in a way, kind of like felt like home. Hmm. I'm hoping to hit the stock show this year. Shelby, like many listeners. Um, but this time, I got to be honest, I want to feel like not a big dork. Um, <laughs> why is Tacovas the right place for me to come dip my toe in to this Western wear stuff? I think just because of the fact that Tacovas was founded on such a love for the true spirit of the West and Western culture. And that's kind of what the stock show is all about and embodies as well. We share that passion. And I think that you can come in and find something that works great and that you're going to love that you can incorporate into your wardrobe that feels really authentic for you and your personal style and still connects you to that Western culture in your own way. We have something for everybody, whether you want an easy entryway into Western with a simple pair of boots and maybe a trucker hat or a wax canvas jacket, or you want to come in and you want to get outfitted head to toe and you want to try out one of our rabbit fur cowboy hats and you want a belt buckle and a pearl snap and you really want to feel like you're all out Western and, and going country for the, the stock show. Shelby, what else do people need to know if they want to come say hi to you in Cherry Creek? Just that we're open 11 to 6 on Sundays and 10 to 7 every day, Monday through Saturday. And you already know where we're located. We have an amazing team and a staff who's ready to greet you with a cold drink and a smile and help you find whatever you're looking for. Shelby Burroughs, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Again, the Denver Tacova store is located in Cherry Creek North on East 2nd Avenue. You can also find out more at tacovas.com. Hey, it's Bree Davies, and I'm here with newsletter editor Adrian Gonzalez. Good morning, Adrian. Howdy, Bree. So it's Western Week here at CityCast Denver, and we're here with our Tacovas tip. Adrian, what have you got? So, Brie, like most things in life, Western wear is all about the details. And so today we're going to talk about accessories. This is a category of Western wear that has so much to choose from. And it's the best way to dip your toes into Western wear if you're cowboy curious and, and want to try a little bit of Western flair for, for your outfits. So we're talking uh, jewelry, bolo ties, right? Some of these things. But one of my favorite things, honestly, for any outfit are belts and belt buckles. Yes. You can find so many different things. I know Tacovas has really, really cool belt buckles. They have one that's like a little arrowhead with the Tacovas uh, logo on it that, that I really like. It, it looks very rugged and very cool. And they have a belt, um, I believe, in their women's line that has the hair on it still. So if you really want to go a bit crazy, that's, this is some of my favorite things to, to add to any outfit. I love it. I love with the belt, you can either go subtle or super wild. It's like depending on your personality, there's a lot of options. Yeah, exactly. There's so many, so many fun things. You could, you can also find something like bags with fringe on it, uh, tooled leather. There are just so many great options. Thanks for joining us, Adrian. Thanks, Bree. Step into a new pair of Tacovas for wherever your journey takes you. And remember, don't go gently. (laughs) 
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Jason Bobert about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. tumbleweed in here (laughs) is there where's the tumbleweed right there (laughs) oh a little one well i mean (laughs) you can't have a huge one in here no they're pretty they're pretty messy no i'll be in the way very dusty